0: Get
1: on the grid. What is all world? It is the early line. Keith, is Eric, Kevin Waltz, with you on a Tuesday morning. In a world where Josh Allen wants you to respect his name and says, put me In the MVP conversation, Kevin, yesterday we talked a lot about Mahomes and Rodgers, and and FanDuel was leaning now towards Rodgers, and Rodgers had thrust his name to the top of the MVP conversation. Did Josh Allen kind of at least ignite the conversation? Because I got a lot of tweets last night about this.
2: I think for those that are tweeting, uh, unfortunately, no. Like, this is the thing. When it comes to MVP awards, it's like, this guy's, this guy's got to be in the conversation. Well, what conversation are we having? Is the conversation who is the MVP or who is top three in the MVP? Because if it's top three, then of course Josh Allen is in that conversation. But we're talking about him versus Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. Maybe pound for pound the two best quarterbacks in the sport. Both Mahomes and Rodgers have thrown more touchdowns, less picks, better passer rating. But that's not a slight to Josh Allen, Keith, because I'll tell you, all year long, I feel like I've been saying, when is the shoe going to drop? When do I get the vintage Josh Allen game, more picks than touchdowns, a completion percentage uh, that just hovers maybe above 50%. And uh, over this last couple of games, especially since they've hit the buy, this guy is just playing incredible football.
1: Got to give some credit to Stefan Diggs also. I think he's helped that offense. But you're right, with yeah. the completion percentage is where we look at things and go, All right, this was maybe the worst, and statistically was the worst starting quarterback his rookie year with completion percentage. Now is sixth in the NFL in completion percentage. I think we can go to total touchdowns because I think that's something else that people go, all right, well, Josh Allen, he runs a lot of total touchdowns. He's still four total touchdowns less than Aaron Rodgers. All the numbers are less than Aaron Mm -hmm. Rodgers. All the numbers are less than Patrick Mahomes. But Kevin, I bring Mm -hmm. this up too. I wonder what the narrative would be in Buffalo with Josh Allen on a national stage if they were on a nine-game winning streak right now instead of a five-game winning streak if the Hail Murray never happened. And, and now you're looking at a Buffalo team that maybe only has two losses and has a potential to even you know upend the Kansas City Chiefs for that top spot.
2: You know, I, I think you're right that the narrative would change a bit. And I, I think Rodgers almost kind of throws it, it off platform a little bit because what we are seeing now is this debate between the Bills and the Chiefs. Oh, the Bills are the best team in the AFC. They're the hottest team in the AFC. I still push back on that. Again, the Chiefs are 14-1 and playing at a C-plus level. That's why they're the best team in football, right? You you know, I had a conversation with someone the other day. He was like, oh, the the Chiefs haven't beaten anybody. They won in Tampa, in New Orleans, in Miami. Those are all double-digit win teams. What are we talking about here? But the Bills are playing Really good football. And the big thing, Keith, seems to be that they're starting to play it now on both sides of the field. Early on, this was an offense-first team, where in the previous two years for Josh Allen, they were defense-first. And it was like, man, are these going to be two ships passing in the night where the defense doesn't catch up? It now seems like it has. As they're starting to play better ball on both sides here, they do look like a complete football team.
1: I love the the blanket statement of they didn't play anyone. I love that. Want to welcome in our radio audiences, Keith Eric Kevin Walsh with you on the early line as we continue to break down Monday night football and the conversation now that has been thrust upon us. Josh Allen wants his name in that MVP conversation. Bills win last night 38 to 9. Complete a full sweep of the New England Patriots. First time that any team in the AFC East has done that to them. Any team in the AFC has done that to them since 2000. Stefan Diggs now leads the NFL in receptions, in receiving yardage. I want to throw some more numbers at us. So, with Josh Allen, now the all time leader in passing touchdowns in a season for the Bills, uh, he's just a few yards shy of Drew Bledsoe for the most passing yards in a season, best completion percentage in a season. We bring all of this up again because Josh Allen has had a special season, but Kevin hit it right on the top of the head. It's a special season, but it's a top three mm-hmm. season because it's still Rodgers and it's still oh. Mahomes as the lead dogs for that MVP. How do you kind of break down last night's game for the bills too? If we're going to start talking about, you know, them being mm-hmm. an issue for Kansas city, I look at what they did over the last five games and they've given up an average of 16.8 points per game. And that was kind of their struggle earlier on in the year was their defense.
2: Yeah, no, it it has been their defense, but that is also starting to turn the corner. I think the big thing, too, is sometimes I think the vibe that you get from a team is important. the Bills have this vibe around them that when they have the football, they're going to score, right? They're, they're just, this, oh, yeah, they're going to go They're going to go march down that field. Because it's Stefan Diggs, who's establishing himself with a top three wide receiver season, likely somewhere between him, Devontae Adams, and DeAndre Hopkins. But it's not just them. Between Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, the ground game works. Cole Beasley, it's been incredible for them. Gabe Davis, always a piece of this puzzle. So I just think that they're getting it done on both sides. I just want to make sure I make this point here, Keith, though is josh allen not the absolute perfect example as to why teams should be giving their first round quarterback selections a lot more rope and wait this thing out because for everybody that was writing off josh allen there's a lot of numbers that suggest they were right to do so and then we broke into year three and he's thrown more touchdowns this year than the first two combined and his passer rating has gone up by 24 points and his qbr's almost doubled it's a, it's a spot where the time that the Bills have allowed him is really paid off.
1: No one has patience in this world, Kevin, and that's kind of why but the Bills are seeing the dividends get paid off by having patience. we got to see what kind of patience the Patriots are going to have because they've got some questions and they need answers, and that's going to happen in the offseason. Oh, by the way, there's a Washington football team that doesn't have quarterback anymore.
0: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com back here on the early
1: line keith and kevin with you all morning long and Kevin's got a bone to pick. If you follow us on Twitter, you saw it pop out there. So, Kev, we we watched the the Bills and we watched the Patriots last night. We told you what we think about Josh Allen. Uh, you've got shoes with the New England Patriots. And th- this is, you know, not the greatest radio hosting by me or TV hosting by you, me, but I, I kind of want to just give you the platform and, and, <laughs> and let you talk straight to the camera to Bill Belichick. So, So what's on your mind, man?
2: Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity because Bill Belichick, quite frankly, is skating by here, and I'm not a fan of it. And I'm honestly quite tired of Cam Newton being the scapegoat for everything that goes wrong for the New England Patriots here. He got benched after the opening Patriots possession of the half, which was a three and out in which he did not throw the football. Keith, this would be as if I proceed now to talk for the rest of this segment and you get a call from upstairs saying, Keith, you know what, segment two of the show, didn't love what you brought to the table there. Your your takes weren't good. We're pulling you off the other line. But like, I didn't even say anything. What are you talking about? That's what happened to Cam Newton. He didn't attempt a pass, Keith, and they were like, you know what, that's enough Cam for me. He threw the ball ten times. His first – two of his first three throws – or drops, one of them bounced off Demir Byrd's face, and it's like, yeah, see, Cam Newton can't push the ball down the field. What do you want him to do, throw it to himself? I mean, which seemingly would be the only thing that could actually save this Patriots wide receiver room, that last year, the GOAT couldn't get to league average, and they proceeded to make it not one iota better. Oh, and by the way, Julian Edelman's not there, so in fact, it's marketably worse. And Cam Newton gets pulled in again. And this is why I think it is so appalling what Belichick did yesterday. He punted on a game that was not over. Now, I understood it looked like Buffalo would go down there and score every single possession because they did score on their first five offensive possessions, which is interesting because I thought that would at least fall on Belichick's shoulders or maybe at least his son's, but that's probably still Cam Newton's fault. But if you look at it, that team – got off the field finally, and with 8.20 left, in comes Jared Stidham. Like, there's so much time left. It's a three-possession game. Ask the Falcons. Ask the Chargers. This thing isn't signed, sealed, and delivered. And that possession ended on the Bills' 47-yard line on a fourth and four. And Bills like, thanks, but no thanks. I have no interest in this game. That's active tanking to me from the greatest of all time. He has no interest in winning and all the interest in somehow letting Cam Newton shoulder the entire blame for what is a disastrous season from the New England Patriots.
1: All right, first and foremost, great analogy. I thought that was fantastic leading that off. Uh, Secondly, (laughs) I think you're right with the active tanking part because on one hand, I look at Cam Newton and I say, all right, my eye test tells me that he's not, a bona fide starting quarterback in the NFL anymore. He does have some issues throwing the football. He does have some issues holding on to the ball. My eye test also tells me he's clearly better than Jared Stidham. We know what Stidham is. He is a backup quarterback in yeah. the NFL. He's not going to be someone that's going to be the reason why you win a game, probably more likely the reason why you lose a game. And I'm not trying to cast aspersions on Jared Stidham. Maybe he's a great human being and he's in the NFL, which means he can clearly play football, but we can see what he is. As an nfl qb and the numbers will tell you that as well uh the active tanking part is the the thing that i want to pull back on and, and and like discuss a little bit more because we always talk about the players don't tank management does and if you're mm-hmm. belichick and you're thinking from a business standpoint losing these last two games is better for the business instead of having pick number 16 or 17, and last night they were talking about. I guess they're ranked in in around 15 right now. If you can end up at 12 or 13, clearly better for the future. Because Kevin, we know the cupboard is bare. They need a quarterback. They need receivers. They need help on defense. So from a business standpoint, as much as you want to say Belichick great coaching or whatever, this may have been the mm. right business move. Just not a great personal move.
2: My thing, though, is, Keith, they were going to lose anyway, right? Because, again, that defense couldn't get a stop. I just – I don't need you – the game was over, right? But then there was no purpose to watch when he's punting in Bill's territory down three scores on a fourth and four. Like, you're just saying, I don't want to be here anymore. At that point, we can just press triangle and sim the game the rest of the way. And yeah, I understand that they need some draft picks. Here's the one thing where I guess I'm on a complete fantasy island. People say, put Jared Stidham in and see what you have in the kid. No, I know what we have in him. He's not good. He's multiple times Cam has been benched. I actually think they still need to see what they have in Cam Newton. Why don't you send him out there for a game and let him throw the ball from start to finish? I actually thought that's what they were doing last week against the Dolphins when he threw the ball north of 25 times and actually had 200 passing yards. Like, Cam Newton and this Patriots team got off to a really, really good start, even offensively. They scored 30-plus in two of their first three games. And then COVID, I thought, tanked their season. And ultimately, it was going to be something too hard for them to climb out of. And now the injury bug and Stefan Gilmore and Julian Edelman are not there. and This, that, and the third. I don't understand this concept that they are 100% positive that Cam Newton has no business returning to New England team that doesn't have any clear and obvious answers right in front of him anyway.
1: (sighs) Trying to get into the mind of Bill Belichick is a difficult thing. Uh, If I was, I would say that I think he just doesn't like the experiment. doesn't like this type of quarterback, the mobile quarterback, and I think he was, you know, it's like if you, 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 you break up with someone Cause you think the grass is going to be greener on the other side. And then you realize, wow, that that was better. And I really wanted that still uh, Tom Brady mm. was the, the QB that Belichick has been with for, you know, 20 years. Yeah. Comfortable with that style of QB. And I think that he's going to want uh, to go back to that. If he can. All right, let's switch gears over to a different quarterback because you and I talked about Dwayne Haskins yesterday. I had made the comment that if this was week seven or week eight, and Washington didn't need yeah. to win a game. And if Alex Smith was healthy, I thought that Haskins would have been cut uh, after his, uh, let's call it charade uh, this past you know week and a half and, and hanging out with strippers, which by the way, on the surface, if it wasn't a pandemic, and you said this yesterday, it, it's not like you need to be cut from a team for, it's the the climate, it's the time of it. Mm-hmm. So Haskins being cut, you and I were texting about it. Level of surprise was what?
2: honestly, somewhat high, just because there's a... I guess there's not a world where they think he could have to be viable. Like, the division is on the line next week, and I guess they saw enough from Tyler Heineke to say, if it's not Alex Smith, it's still not going to be Dwayne Haskins, and I I thought you made an excellent point. Yesterday, you are like, listen, if this was earlier in the year, he's cut, but we're late in the year, we're in the thick of things, and you were still bang on. Like, this was enough to, to see this guy removed from the situation. Part of the reason I mentioned the Josh Allen stuff earlier was to kind of set myself up for this. Is Earlier in the year when Dwayne Haskins was benched, I had pulled up a comparison between Josh Allen's first, I think it was like 12 or 13 career starts, and compared it to Dwayne Haskins, and Haskins was – a touch better in those opening starts, and to just make the point that Haskins has no ability, or 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 has not been given the room to kind of see this thing out. But everything that's happened off the field is, and on the field, I guess, as well. Keith is is why he's not going to be able to see this thing out. And this release here feels like one that might see him not just out of Washington, but possibly out of the league. Yeah, I looked at
1: some of the cap numbers too, the guaranteed money that he would be on the hook for if someone else picked him up next year. There, there are millions of dollars there. I think you're right. I think there's a, a fear that this could be the kind of situation where Haskins maybe is, is his agent or whomever is calling people next year trying to get a job and, and can't uh, Looked at some of the other numbers too. So out of 38 QBs with 10 starts or more since 2019, last in QBR, 37th in touchdown to interception ratio, 37th in completion percentage at 60%, and 35th in passing yard at 2,804 yards. Put it all together. It doesn't bode well for Haskins.
2: No, it doesn't. I mean, when you check last on almost all of the important boxes and then are also a bit of a problem seemingly off of the field, it's hard to justify keeping around, and Washington has the division on the line in Sunday night football, and they're not going to have Haskins for it.
1: Will Murray and Goff available for Rams and Cardinals? Find out next.
0: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
1: it is the early line keith and kevin with you on this tuesday morning so Kevin, do you know that there are 35 different potential wild card matchups. 11 teams are still mm. alive on both sides of this. This is nuts. It makes week 17 a lot more fun. And actually for, you know, gamblers like you and I and everyone else that's probably listening to this and watching this, uh, it gives a little bit more juice as well. I say this because we got to start with the Rams and the Cardinals, who it's Goff versus Murray, right? It's, it's two number one picks. It's two, you know, Murray's a potential star. Goff been to a Super Bowl. Uh, this is going to be amazing, except that Goff broke his thumb and needed surgery. and Kyler Murray has a limited amount of mobility uh, in his legs. John Wolford could get a start. And uh, some guy named Chris Streveler. Uh, you got to Google him. He was a, a Grey Cup champ with Winnipeg last year. So it's exactly what we wanted, Kev.
2: It's it's unreal just how different this game very well might look from the last go around. The score was 38-28. It was, a t- it was 66 points in this game. Goff was 37 47, 350 passing yards. Kyler had three total, you know, had three touchdowns throwing in that game. You know, we could see a total with if these two quarterbacks were absent, last time it was 49. I mean, could we see the lowest total of this season? Could we see a, an all-time low total where it's a lot of Kenyon Drake and Malcolm Brown? I mean, whomever is left standing in this Rams backfield, I guess it's a good thing they had three different options throughout the year. And you just you can't believe that there is a scenario where the winner of this game is in and the loser is out. And it's a tough way to go out for one of these two teams to not at least have your starting quarterback give you that fighting chance. But I guess if neither side has it, all is fair.
1: Yeah. And I, it also points to the fact that a backup quarterback does matter. Like you don't want to spend oodles money on a backup quarterback, but we can go to new Orleans. Like the Saints last year end up going, what, 5-0 and with Teddy Bridgewater as a backup quarterback when Breeze goes out. And then this year, they they stay afloat with Taysom Hill. If you're going to have a quarterback in Kyler Murray, and I love Kyler Murray. He's one of my favorite players just to watch in the NFL. But if you're going to have a quarterback that does run around, if you're going to have a quarterback that, let's be fair, is smaller in stature than most QBs in the history of the NFL, I, I think you need to have someone not named Chris Trevler. Now, again, I don't know that much about Chris Trevler and and, and we'll do some more digging and, and maybe I'm wrong and he's going to come in and light things up and this won't be a 13-9 <laughs> yeah. type of game. With all that being said, I feel like you have to have that backup QB. So as I feel bad for the Rams and the Cardinals, I also say maybe this is eye-opening. Like Have someone, even like a Chase Daniel, have someone that, that has been in the NFL.
2: But this is the thing, Keith, so for me, like, if of all, I love what I do for a living, but had I got, if I somebody ever tossed me a opportunity to be a general manager of either an NFL team or an NBA team, it would be, I just, I'd love the ability to try and kind of pull the strings. And, you know, one of the things with the NFL that I've started to believe is that backup quarterback position needs to be valued. I have firsthand viewing experiences. The Philadelphia Eagles won a Super Bowl with their backup quarterback in. And that's why when Jalen Hurts was drafted, I offered to people that the Eagles were getting a very competent backup quarterback for a fraction of the price of the guy that you mentioned, Chase Daniel, who gets a pretty penny from Detroit. But every single time he checks in, we all know it's a waste of time. The Cowboys are still alive for the division because Andy Dalton is their backup quarterback, right? That's a yeah. significant, That's a that's a big piece of the puzzle here that Andy Dalton very well it could end up being the starting quarterback for them in a playoff game because when Dak went down, they didn't turn to Ben DiNucci or Garrett Gilbert for the length of the season. The Saints are another perfect example here. So I think, you know, when you kind of tie in the whole show, a Cam Newton, who does seem like he's going to be out of new england why does he not make sense for arizona right you know where is Dwayne haskins the guy for la i don't know but i'd love to see what sean McVay could do with him right sam darnold carson wentz whomever these guys are i totally agree i don't think it makes sense to go to battle with a quarterback room that is one guy and one guy alone now it's a tough balance because clearly if you create quarterback controversy then some people can't handle that Carson Wentz throw my guy under the bus (laughs) it is what it is but if you can have that backup quarterback at the end of the day it's a fragile sport and there's no reason to have a 53-man roster and have one guy's availability decide whether you have anything to play for or not.
1: I mean, look at Miami, right? Like yesterday, you and I were talking about this whole pitch to yeah. the be a, a relief pitcher thing that Ryan Fitzpatrick is becoming now yeah. to Miami. It's silly and it goes against everything we've ever seen in the NFL. With all that, if I if I said that tomorrow. Tua was hurt and wasn't going to play in game 17 in week 17 and wasn't going to play in the postseason Miami would go okay we have Fitzpatrick we feel comfortable and if I flip it the other way you'd go okay we have Tua we're fine we feel comfortable and it doesn't have to be divisive like the Carson Wentz Jalen Hurts thing is something that I think that we keep coming back to. This appears to be more of a Carson Wentz thing, not a Jalen Hurts thing. This appears to be that Carson Wentz, and maybe the narrative is being pushed a little bit too much, but it appears to be maybe he's a little bit too feeble-minded and can't get it out of his head that there's a statue of the guy that won the Super Bowl that should have been the Super Bowl you were winning. And then Mm -hmm. a guy gets drafted to potentially take your spot down the road and then does take your spot this season. So... I, I I actually think you just need to know your quarterback as well. And if your quarterback is so few people-minded that he can't have a competent backup, then maybe that starting quarterback isn't the right guy for you anyway.
2: You're 100% right. And that's – the Carson one stuff is a shame. But, yes, at the end of the – like, you're correct. Like, you know, Fitzpatrick makes those big throws, and Tua is the first guy to celebrate with him. So much so to the point where I almost I wonder if, if Tua is forcing that celebration to remind to tell himself that everything is okay. But also, you know what, Tua dealt with this at Alabama with him and Jalen Hurts. You know, he he's kind of been there before and, and he's seen the ups and downs that could go- come with a backup situation involving quarterbacks here. If the Cardinals go to battle without Kyler Murray and the Rams go to battle without Jared Goff and the two quarterbacks that they turn to, these two teams turn to you know shells of themselves, they truly only have them, themselves to blame because all we talk about is how they, look, there are more quarterbacks than quarterback jobs. There just are, right? Like fits Tyrod Taylor, obviously, you know, Jameis Winston is a third-string quarterback this year. We didn't know he was a third-stringer at the time, but he's a third-string quarterback. We all know that Colin Kaepernick, he's never going to get a fair shot in this league again, but still, it's just, there's no reason that these guys can't be your backup quarterback to make sure if something goes wrong with QB1, listen, are you going to win a Super Bowl without a Kyler Murray? No, no, but can you, at the minimum, make the playoffs, which was a big step for Cliff Kingsbury and this team in year two? Yes.
1: And, and this is where, and I'll transition us into Kansas City, because Patrick Mahomes is is clearly the guy, and, and there's no worries about that. Mm-hmm. But you got Chad Haney as a backup quarterback. Who's not an excellent QB, but he's been in the league so long enough so that if Patrick Mahomes missed a game or two, you feel like you can stay afloat. And now it's kind of looking like we might get a a Chad Henney week uh, in Kansas City. They're going to rest a lot Uh, when we look at that game for Kansas City and the Chiefs and not really much to play for. This is all about just staying healthy. Definitely takes a little bit of the luster. So, one of the things I don't like about week 17s is when, and I guess that's why we've all grown as fantasy football commissioners, don't run your championships <laughs> in week 17. I'm very happy about
2: that. Yeah. You know, it's funny though. I don't, and I don't know if it's just a product of the year or the seven playoff teams, but I think the Chiefs are the only team that has the ability to bench their starters. So, that at least makes me happy that they're the only ones that we're talking about here. Well, what this is most important for, it feels like, Keith, is what we're talking about a lot yesterday, the MVP race. Unless Rodgers goes out there with one touchdown and two picks and a loss to the Chicago Bears, he's going to put himself far out of reach of Pat Mahomes. And Travis Kelsey, who had a real good shot at leading the league in receiving yards at the tight end position, is not going to be able to do that if he doesn't play and therefore probably isn't going to be able to win Offensive Player of the Year, which is, I know, something that the Chiefs openly spoke about, Mahomes saying that he wanted that for Travis Kelsey. And this season, they are the main character, if you will. And I think our main character is going to be getting some added motivation when they come up empty at all of the award shows. Now, again... It's funny how this stuff works when Mahomes played the Ravens and counted on his hand one, two, three, four, five, because of where he landed on the NFL top 100. This motivation is a little silly, and these guys shouldn't need it, but they obviously use it. To where I almost wonder if the rest of the league begging them to throw Holmes, the MVP, and Kelsey, the Offensive Player of the Year awards. Because these guys are going to have a little bit more juice now that they're going to be missing Week 17 and probably get shut out on awards weekend.
1: That's a clever way to think about this. I, I, I like that. Like, almost get that chip off of their shoulder. The whole Patrick Mahomes <laughs> being drafted behind Mitchell Trubisky thing, to Like, just get all of that away from Mahomes mm-hmm. and the Chiefs and try to take that away. It is going to be interesting as we go into the postseason, though, to try to figure out. And it's, I think it's something we can do this. We need to kind of start thinking about, you know, the Bills, Ravens, teams like that, that maybe could give the Chiefs a, a little bit of a nuisance. Uh, come postseason. Got some college football back in action tonight. We'll break down some bowls, and there's a college football coach, maybe headed to the NFL. Let's talk.
0: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
1: back here on the early line keith and kevin with you on this tuesday morning so adam schefter I don't know if we want to call it a bomb or not, but on Sunday morning, put it out that there are at least two NFL teams that have reached out to Urban Meyer and that Urban Meyer had at least said, let me take a pause and think about this, whether or not I'd want to interview and potentially even want to be an NFL coach. So it did get us thinking, Kev, about Places for Urban Meyer. Let's first start here before we even get into the actual names of teams. And you and I can go back and forth on this one. What is your level of trust that Urban Meyer can be more than just competent and actually be successful as an NFL coach?
2: So I think that jump can be tricky. I think in either direction, as proof by Jim Harbaugh going to a Super Bowl and then Michigan and everything that goes on there. I think sometimes coaching is coaching, though, right? And, and Urban Meyer, to me, is the only coach over this last decade plus where you can make a non-laughable argument that he might actually be the best coach uh, over Nick Saban for the, the run that Urban Meyer has had uh, while at Florida, while at Ohio State, and even some success there right in Utah. So I just think Urban Meyer has proven to consistently be successful no matter where he is, yes, It's easier to do at the college level if you have the right program with the right resources and pipelines to bring in the right talent. But, Keith, as this coaching carousel spins year in and year out of the NFL, I have the opportunity to bring in a guy that I know has been successful at every single stop, and not just like good win-loss records. National championships, multiple national championships – I think that's worth heavy consideration.
1: I have my doubts. I have my reservations about what Urban Meyer can do on the NFL level. But with that being said, I'm done with retreads. So if you're going with a, a younger coordinator, cool, I get it. But mm-hmm. if you want to dive into this world of bringing a, a legendary college football coach up, that you know isn't that old as of yet and has been out of the game now for what two three years and you know says he's healthy again and then now kevin that's what brings me to this when we start talking about potential landing spots for him because i do think that that will matter right so the list i came up with was chargers <clears throat> jaguars texans mm. bangles falcons and jets and falcons may- maybe not so much but On that list, if you take away the Falcons, and by the way, not all these jobs are actually open yet. This is just us talking. On that Mm -hmm. list, every place either has a young quarterback in place or looks like they'll have one next year.
2: Yeah, and you got to think, right, he has links to some of these guys. You mentioned the Bengals. He knows Burrow, how the relationship is, because obviously Burrow had a transfer. I don't know, but at least there's a, a relationship there. I actually do think that they are hold on to Zach Taylor. But the one possible kind of relationship of him going to New York and being the Jets head coach and them being in a prime position to draft Justin Fields does not feel insignificant. Uh, You know, I I don't think Urban Meyer is going to want to do this and be uncomfortable. He's going to, right, because that's the thing. When you are the head coach of Ohio State or the Florida Gators, I mean, you are the all-overseeing power, which is why he ultimately had to handle a lot of responsibility for the issues that happened during his final year at Ohio State, right, because you are the all-seeing, you have everything above or below you, I guess you should say, but he would have that same opportunity in new york and compare himself with a guy like justin field that i know he didn't coach at ohio state but i'm sure he has a rapport with because he is still connected to that program pretty heavily and he can add whomever he wants onto that coaching staff and uh, very likely with all of that cap space make decisions that he feels comfortable with i think that's one of the the big ones that matches to me pretty quickly
1: I like the Jets there. I, I I keep coming back to Chargers and Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence, yep. Uh, the Chargers, if Anthony Lynn is gone, and, and, and my guess is he will be, uh man, seems like such a perfect pairing. Year two of Justin Herbert, a he was a college quarterback that now is a stud in the NFL, not that far removed from that college time. And Urban mm-hmm. Meyer, I think, would just fit perfectly there. I think that could be a, a match made in heaven. But, listen, we don't even know if Urban Meyer is really going to entertain this, or at least we we know that it's in the back of his mind. He's at least, I don't know, thinking about it. All right, let's think about this. We got some bowl games. The Cheez-It Bowl is on tonight. Number 21, Oklahoma State. Uh, number 18, Miami. I'll, I'll you know, bury the lead. I, I like the over on this one. I think there's going to be a lot of points in this one. It's being played in Orlando, and, and I'm leaning Miami right now. I'll give you a little bit more, but Kev, you go.
2: Yeah, you know, I'm struggling here a little bit because this is a game where the opt-outs loom large. Chava Hubbard uh, is not going to be around for uh, the Cowboys. Miami's missing their top two edge rushers. So you think about this. Okay, Oklahoma State all year long, their strength has been their defense. They're going up against Miami, whose strength has been Derek King and their offense. And then on the other side of it, both you know teams missing key pieces to the other side of the football here. I think the pick'em right that you can see at the FanDuel Sportsbook. There, I mean, this is minus one ten both ways. Just a straight. We don't know. You guys tell us who you think gets it done here uh, in the Cheez It Bowl. I have a slight lean to Oklahoma State, Keith, because Miami the two times that they really had to step up in competition. Clemson embarrassed them, and, and then UNC really embarrassed them. And if they're going to be without uh, their full complement of pass rushers, then maybe Spencer Sanders, even without Hubbard, can have a little bit more comfortability in that pocket and make some throws down the field to Wallace. Eileen, Oklahoma State, similar to you, though, I do think there's points here, 61.5. I could see it getting over that number.
1: Yeah, Spencer Sanders has had his issues over 3,000 yards, but when you look at his last 19 games, 19 interceptions, so there's some numbers there. Miami, they've struggled against the top 25 teams, like you said. Their only top 25 win this year was against Louisville back in September. Oklahoma State, top 25 opponents, one and one on the season. They did beat Iowa State on October 24th. And all of the opt and that's and that's what we, I mean, obviously each and every year we see this with bowls, and that's why sometimes bowl season is difficult to gamble on because you never know like motivation for teams and you never know who's going to actually be out there on the field. But this one to me is, I think it's a sneaky good game. And I think it's a sneaky fun game to watch, but I have my, some of my reservations uh, with a few parts. Speaking of reservations, number 20, Texas, they're, they're favored over Colorado in the Alabama, in the Alamo bowl. And there's a lot of reasons why on paper, you'd say, Oh, Texas should run away with this one. Dude, I'm leaning Buffaloes here. Uh, I think, <laughs> th- I think, I think Texas is. I, I know that Coach Herman has had his success in in bowl games, three and and0 in the bowls that he's been the head coach of. But I just look at the opt outs and I look at motivation factor, and I'm not so sure that Texas had has the motivation here.
2: You know, this is such an interesting spot because you look at how these two teams finished up the year. Colorado opens their Pac-12 campaign 4-0, maybe a shot at getting into the Pac-12 title game, and then Utah just totally embarrasses them in their last game, 38-21. And Colorado, though, probably still should have had a seat opposite USC in the Pac-12 championship game, because if Washington wasn't going to be able to play who qualified for that other half of the Pac-12, then they should have just probably put Colorado in, but they didn't. Texas, after a tight loss to Iowa State, a game that they had control of for a little bit there, put 69 points up on Kansas State. I mean, Keith, I remember putting that game on. I thought there was a a misprint on the score bug. I'm like, they scored 69 points. They scored 69 in regulation. And Sam, and this is where this kind of comes down to me, Sam Ellinger is a college football quarterback. And I feel like when I say that, you either know what I mean or you don't. Guy's just he's just been there, constantly produces, can do it with the arm, can do it with the legs. You trust him when it's game time. Now, this number does feel a bit high. Boy, do I wish this was six and a half instead of seven and a half. The one thing though that's been true, for whatever reason, Keith, in bowl season more though than regular season college football. The spread tends to not factor in a ton. And what I mean by that is a favorite winning but not covering. Or, you know, the same exact thing would be the dog losing but getting the cover. 85% of the time, that spread doesn't matter. Ten bowl games on the year, the spread has come into play once. The 14-point spread that Louisiana won wasn't able to cover, though. I look at this spot. I I think Sam Ellinger's is a guy on the way out. I want to back and. Tom Herman for what's been a very odd tenure at Texas. He has been good in bowl games, and I think they got a little bit of momentum for him after that big, big win over the Wildcats, and I'm going to go with the Longhorns here.
1: So we're on the opposite side. The five captains opting out bothers me. The these rumors yeah. about Tom Herman and, and discussions with South Carolina, but then him coming out and saying my players are so excited to be in the Alamo Bowl for a second consecutive year. I actually, if, if I'm going to be honest, I, I'm thinking about sprinkling a little money on the on the money line on Colorado. the The odds are pretty decent there. I, like I, I feel like that's the way to diversify a little bit um that could work colorado i, I think they can they, they can be the five dogs in this one i do I, i'm i'm intrigued by colorado it's intrigued by them being the surprise team in the pack 12 they don't really have much of a quarterback to to write home about but they can run the mm-hmm. ball and i just wonder and 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 these are you know 19 20 21 year old kids and some of them are looking towards their next step and some are just looking towards can i can i go home and, and not play football anymore and in a season that hasn't gone the way that we wanted and in a world that hasn't gone the way that I've wanted as well, that if by chance Colorado takes a lead in this game and maybe is leading in the third quarter, Sam Ellinger I think will continue to fight. But I do, I do have my mm-hmm. reservations as to whether or not this Texas team will have the fight at the end of the game.
2: You know, I think it's fair. I think this is the thing about bowl games as a whole. Keith, it is just the way the importance of them over time seems to be losing a a lot of its luster. I'm sure that people will blame my generation for this, and I don't know, maybe it is our fault, because I tell you, the cheese at bowl, I'm like, what are we doing here? Like, who is this for? They're, and th- this time there's not even people in the building, right? I'm like, I don't blame Hubbard for not showing up to the party. I, I Ellinger, like if this guy thinks that he could play in the pros, should he really be going out there and putting on the burnt orange? And I listen, I know Sam Ellinger's not a guy that ever would consider not playing in this game. It's just that's what makes bowl games So difficult. There is not only, you know, the opt outs becoming more and more and more prevalent here, right? Like, if you have to think, Keith, if Ohio State would have been left out of that top four, Justin Fields' run as a Buckeye would be over. If Clemson would have lost the rematch to Notre Dame, sure, Trevor Lawrence really goes out there in the Citrus Bowl, and plays against Iowa State. No, I'm not sure. And that's why when we're breaking these things down, it's like, yeah, Texas is – that's the other problem. And that's why I sometimes wonder how, and I give credit to to the oddsmakers here, how they're setting these power ratings. Half the numbers don't matter. Miami's missing their top two pass rushers. The best offensive player in Oklahoma State's not available. Texas is missing a bunch of people in the secondary, the captains you're mentioning it. It's like that's why you sprinkle money line, like you said, though, because we're kind of just flipping a coin.
1: Kev, there are some people uh, going to write us in.
2: Get off my lawn,
1: Kevin. You're <laughs> ruining our sports. More next. Early line. Keith and Kevin back with you on the early line. Respect is always, Kevin, an interesting word, right? Like, you can sit there and go, I respect someone for this. I respect, I even joke about, like, I respect you, gangsta, for this. How about Dabo Sweeney? I want to read you a quote, Kevin. There's no question Ohio State is good enough to beat us, to beat any of these four playoff teams and be the national champion. That's not a question at all. Like anybody who didn't play nine games or more in the top 10, that's why they were 11. I have all the respect in the world for Ohio State. So you look at Dabo Sweeney and he says, I respect Ohio State, but oh, by the way, you guys kind of stink because you didn't play enough games.
2: It, but, you know, Keith, if you listen to him, it's kind of like he's not lying in a way, right? He's like, And he put them smack dab at 11. He's like, listen, the top 10, I am putting in the teams that played the games. And you watch that Ohio State team, right? And I think to say that they're one of the four best teams, fine. I'm not going to push back. What am I going to make? An argument for Oklahoma, three loss Florida, Georgia because they fixed their quarterback? No, Ohio State belongs in the college football playoffs. They got the four teams correct. But you watch this season play out for them. And you tell me that if they played 10 regular season games – they weren't gonna fall flat somewhere. It seemed like they were. They almost fell flat in the Big Ten title game. Penn State, who had one of their worst seasons, it felt like ever, was competitive in that game. You know, who who knows? Maybe this was the year. Although Michigan was so bad. I was gonna say maybe yeah. Michigan would have been doing something, but probably not. I just I kind of think he he makes a fair point. And if he acknowledges that they can beat anybody. I mean, is Ryan Day really going to lead the locker room with, you, would you believe that he ranked us 11th in his coaches' poll? Honestly, if that's the lead speech, then I'm laying seven and a half with Clemson.
1: <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah. And, and the reason I brought up the word respect, and obviously I knew that it was in that, in that quote. I kind of respect what, what Dabo is doing here because he's always been a player's coach, right? Like he, he's the guy that came out and said, you know, you, you pass on Deshaun Watson, you're passing on Michael Jordan. He's the guy that, after the ACC championship, said, uh, if this guy behind me, Trevor Lawrence, isn't attached to the name Heisman, you're doing something wrong. And now he's sitting there going, my scruple said this. You didn't play nine games, you can't put you in the top 10. Simple as that. More than that, the early line. You go.